invite all of you to turn in your Bibles to James chapter 1 as we continue our study through the book of James. And our text this morning is verses 22 through 27. Now, a few weeks back, we started this message and we're we're hoping to finish it this morning. And the, the title is, My Response to the Word. My Response to the Word. Follow along as I read, starting in James 1, verse 22. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Now, before we dig into these verses this morning, let's just do a little review of part one. Uh, we looked at the first of three personal statements of resolve uh, that spring out of this passage. And so, out of a sincere love for God and a desire to please Him in all areas of my life, I will respond to His Word by accepting it. I will accept it. We looked at that a few weeks ago. And in verses 19 19 through 21, we noted five directives for accepting the word of God. In other words, this is how I will accept it. This is how I will receive the word of God. Uh, We noted, be quick to listen. Or be eager to hear the word. Grasp every opportunity to hear the word of God. Be slow to speak. The word must be spoken with truth and accuracy. Therefore, speak it carefully. Be slow to become angry. And we thought about this specifically in the context that we have here. In other words, don't resent the truth of the word. When you hear the truth of the word, accept it with humility. Don't resent it. Be slow to a negative response when you hear the truth of God's word. Get rid of all impurities. We spoke about how sin hinders the work of the word in our lives. And then humbly accept the word. Uh, We see that in verse 21. Receive with meekness the engrafted word. If there's anything uh, that will keep us from accepting God's word, it's pride. It's pride in our life that says, you know what, I don't really need that. I can do it my own way. Let me just do it my own way. And so, humbly accept the word of God. I ask you again to ponder this question this morning. What is my response to the word of God? Think about that in your own personal life. What is my response to the word of God? It's been said that a person's attitude towards God's word is the ultimate criteria of their spirituality. A person's attitude towards God's word is the ultimate criteria of their spirituality. And so, how do you view God's word this morning? Do you view it as 
as the absolute? Or do you view it as, well, it's, it's a good suggestion when necessary? How do you view the Word of God this morning? You see, simply a hearer will say, yeah, sounds good, and I may need that someday. A doer says, yes, that is the truth of God's Word. I need that today, and I will apply it to my life. They practice then what they have heard. They put it to practice in their life. The sobering truth is that the way that you respond to the Word of God ultimately determines your destiny. Ultimately determines your destiny. So, with that little refresher from the last message, uh, let's move right into then the next statement of personal resolve that we find in verses 22 through 25, and that is, I will apply it. I will apply it. I will apply the Word of God to my life. I will make it a rule and a guide for my life. I will not only hear it, but I will put it to practice in my life. Back uh, one Saturday in August, I took our three oldest boys up to Halifax to the volunteer fire department uh, to take the hunter's education course. And as part of that course, they had our local game warden, uh, Brandon Harris, there uh, to discuss various things about regulations, specifically to Halifax County, uh, but also to talk about different safety issues that we need to be aware of especially the young students there, need to be aware of. And as a part of that presentation, he told three stories about hunting accidents that happened uh, here in Halifax County last fall. And he made it clear that all of these accidents could have been easily avoided if if the boys, which in this case they were boys, if the boys would have done what they heard in Hunter's safety class. They could have been easily avoided. In the one situation, a young boy shot his grandpa uh, during, they were rabbit hunting, and of course, grandpa stood up there, and the boy stood down here, and a rabbit ran between. Well, what do you think the little boy did? He's going to shoot the rabbit, right? So, boom, he peppered his grandpa full of rabbit shot. (laughs) It's not as funny as it sounds. No one was killed in these accidents, thankfully, but they were still severe in their own way. Uh, another situation, a, a teenage boy shot his best friend, thinking he was a deer right at last light. And I can't recall exactly what the third story was, but uh, a, in each one, a, a young boy shot someone. And he said, you know, boys, he said, all of these fellas had been through Hunter's education course. And yet they all made serious, serious errors. And then he said, you know, boys, he said, it doesn't do any good to sit through a class if you don't apply what you learn. <laughs> and I said, wow, that, that sounds like message material. <laughs> it doesn't do any good to sit through a class, boys, if you don't apply what you learn. Look here at verse 22. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. You know, it's, it's great to accept the Word. But in the end, what really matters is, is what you do with the Word. It's important to hear the Word, but it's not enough to hear the Word. 
You know, the word that is powerful enough to save your soul, we read that in the end of verse 21, and the word that is powerful enough to give you freedom from the bondage of sin, verse 25, must be obeyed. The power of the word is experienced when hearing is followed by doing. In essence, James is saying here, if you think you can be a righteous person, if you think you can please God, if you think that you can be all that you're supposed to be by simply hearing or reading the word, you're dead wrong. You're wrong. Deceiving your own selves is what he says. In other words, you think you're okay when the fact is you're, you're not. You're not okay. By the way, I found it interesting in my studies that the Greek word for hearer that's in this passage a few times, the Greek word for hearer is the ancient term for auditors. Okay, you perhaps have heard that word Auditors, so you could say, be ye doers of the word and not auditors only. Now think for a moment about auditing. Uh, you've, you've heard of auditing a class. Maybe if you went to college or you've heard of you can go to college and you can audit a class. You can sit in on a class. Or maybe, maybe if you went to Bible school, maybe they allowed you the first day or two to audit a class uh, to, see what, to see what it was like. Now, do you know what that really means? <laughs> That means that, that you, you want to listen, but you don't want to apply. That's really what it means. You just want to see what it's like. You, you don't want to do any of the work. You just want to sit there and listen. That's sort of, that's sort of in a nutshell what, what it means. Maybe you just want to hear what the speaker sounds like, you know, if he appeals to you or not. You just want to audit. You don't want to commit. I found that interesting. Uh, to note the, the history there, what's behind that word, hearers. Be ye doers of the word and not auditors only. You know, there are people that want to do that with the Bible. They just want to listen. They want to hear. They may want to hear the speaker. But there's no commitment to follow through. There's no commitment to do. I would like for us to focus our thoughts here for a few minutes on two phrases. First of all, a phrase in verse 25. And that phrase is, this man shall be blessed. And then a second phrase I want us to note is in verse 24. And that phrase is, and straightway forgetteth. I think those are two key phrases that can give us some good food for thought as we consider this message this morning. You know, there is a way to respond to the word that promises blessing. There certainly is. And since that's what we all want anyway, we, we all want blessing, well, let's see what we can learn here. Let's look at verse 25. This man shall be blessed. Well, well what man? What does he have to do to be blessed? First of all, we note that the blessed person looks intently into the word. The blessed person looks intently into the word. Now, that word looketh, but whoso looketh, that word is from the Greek parakupto, which means to bend beside, or to lean over, or to peer into. To peer into. I found it interesting that that word, that Greek word parakupto, 
is only used four times, well, five, four times other than this in the scripture. And three of those, three of those are in relation to when Jesus rose from the grave. One is when, when Mary went and looked in, she, she kneeled down and she paracuptoed into the, into the grave. I don't know, that's probably not right Greek language. But, uh, and, and one was when John went and looked in, and one was when Peter went and looked in. They, they, it, all of them is that word, paracupto. In other words, they looked very intently. They gazed. They stooped over. They bent down. They peered into. And then the other spot in Scripture is where it says that angels long to look into these things. I found that very fascinating. Thinking about uh, our, our salvation and the things that we as, as human beings uh, we get to enjoy the blessings of God in a way that the angels can't. And it said that angels long to care, uh, paracupto or look or peer into or look intently into these things. That's interesting to me. And so this is a, this is a word that's not used a whole lot in Scripture. But yes, it means to stoop down and, and to look with precision, to look with care. And so when a person looks at the word in this way, it implies that there is an eager effort to find the truth in it. There is a sincere desire to see who you really are. Not just for anyhow, no, but for the purpose of being clean and pure like Jesus Christ. Now, it speaks here of of looking into a, a glass. Or in modern English we would say looking into a mirror. And after all, the mirror in this analogy is the Bible. It's the word of God. And so when we look into the mirror, when we look into the word of God, not only do we see the beauty and the glory of Jesus Christ, but along with that, we see our sinfulness. We see that we are ugly. We see that we are dirty. We see that we are needy. And by looking into the mirror and seeing those two things, it calls for a response to righteous and holy living. It calls for us to want to be more like that picture of of beauty and purity that we see in Jesus Christ. And so I say the person, the blessed person, looks intently into the word. We also note from verse 25 that the blessed person continues to do this. They continue to do this. It says, and continueth therein. Uh, This person has a habit of looking intently into the word of God. Uh, You could say it's a way of life for them. That term, uh, continueth therein, is from the Greek, paramino. And different times I, I say it's from the Greek. And I don't say that to try to mean that, that I have one scoop up on you or anything. You can do the same yourself. You can look it up yourself. I will say that it, it sheds a lot of light on the subject for me as I study the Word of God to see what the original Greek said because it, it's so much deeper sometimes than just what we read here in the King James. For example, sometimes the, the girls, the Amish girls, will say something at the bake shop in Dutch, and I'll say, well, wh- what does that mean? 
they just can't say it right in English. It just wouldn't be funny. It just wouldn't mean the same. <laughs> you know. And sometimes that's how, it is, that's how it is when you study the Bible. English just doesn't quite give it the broad detail um, as, as the Greek gives a, a better basis, more understanding perhaps in some of these ways. But continueth therein is paramino, which means to stay near or to tarry or to be permanent or to persevere. In other words, this person has no desire to go anywhere else. They enjoy studying the truth of God's word. They continue therein, and they plan to stay there. It's something that they want to do, and they want to do often. But it's a person who finds daily, they find the daily discipline of discovering direction for their life in the word. They find it delightful. They find that daily discipline delightful as they study the word of God. I also note then in verse 25 that the blessed person doesn't forget what they've heard. Or what they've read. They don't forget it. It's, it's a picture of a person who is not negligent. Remember, they have looked intently. They have spent time peering into it. Studying it. No, it, it was not a haphazard look. It was not one of those, you know, now out of sight and out of mind. No. But they looked intently. And they made special effort to remember I had to think how, how remembering is, is such an important link in that chain of power. You think of the power of God's word. So, okay, so we hear the word of God or we read the word of God and then we remember it and then we do it. There's, there's a, a chain of power there. However, you can hear the word of God or you can read the word of God But if it goes in one ear and out the other, there's a loss there. There's there's an opportunity that is missed there when you fail to remember and be intentional about that. I note then that the blessed person does the word. He being not a forgetful hearer, verse 25, but a doer of the work. Doers do. I had to think about that. Doers do. You know, builders build and teachers teach and bakers bake and all that stuff. Doers do. (laughs) It's just what they do. It's their way of life. It's what they occupy their time with. Okay, In 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 a spiritual way, they do. One writer referred to it as a life of holy energy. A life of holy energy. And so a doer of the word is not merely looking. They're not merely hearing. They're not simply comparing. No. But they're daily yielding. It speaks about steady obedience. Steady obedience. This is what I do. I hear the word of God. I read the word of God. I remember it. I do it. A steady obedience. This man... The scripture says, is blessed in his deed. You know, God is so practical. God is so practical. I mean, do you want to be blessed or not? I do. I'd rather be blessed. I'd rather be happy. I'd rather be prosperous. And I'm sure you do as well. But it means that we must be 
sincere about following through with the hearing, we must be intentional then about following through with what we read, with what we hear. It means we must be doers of the word. Psalm 19 verse 11 says, In keeping of them, or in other words, the word of God it's talking about here, in keeping of them there is great reward. Proverbs 29, 18, he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Or he's a blessed person, the one who keeps the law, the word of God. Now, let's consider some things here in relation to forgetting. Forgetting. Verse 24, we have that phrase, and straightway forgetteth. Now, in verses 24 and 25, we have two individuals pictured. There's two individuals pictured. And there's some similarities in both of them. They both look. They both go away. One remembers and one does not. One is blessed and the other is not. Or at least it implies that the other is not. They both look. They both go, one remembers, one does not, one is blessed, one is not. Now the question I want us to ponder is, why does the individual in verse 24 forget what he saw? Why does he forget? And you might say, well, he didn't look nearly as good as he should have. <laughs> Maybe he didn't paracupto. <laughs> well, no, he didn't paracupto. <laughs> But a simple word study will show that he did look very well. You know, I've heard, I've heard some commentaries, I've read some commentaries that say, well, yeah, it's, it's because he, he wasn't a good looker. This other one looked really intently, and they really peered, and they really, you know, they were serious about it. But the truth is, the word there uh, for beholdeth, or in, in verse 23, uh, this man beholding, his natural face in a glass, verse 24, he beholdeth himself. That's not a casual look. That's not a haphazard look. Cataneo uh, still means, it means to observe fully, uh, to discover, to perceive. It's not that they were just haphazard about it. They did look well. And yet they forgot. And of course, the real question behind this is, why do we so often forget, why do I so often forget the things that I have heard, the things that I have seen, the things that I have read when it comes to the truth of God's word? You know, why do I often forget those, those things that have the potential to produce real power in my life? Why do they so often have little or no effect? Because we forget. We forget. And so I'm going to read between the lines just a little bit here, although I think there's biblical basis for, for this thinking. But maybe this individual in, in verse 24 forgot uh, because he doesn't care what he looks like. Okay? You know, so it, it talks about a person here that, that looked in the mirror... And he, he saw himself. Maybe he didn't care. Maybe he didn't care what he looked like. Maybe it wasn't a big deal to him. 
Maybe he said, well, everyone else looks like that too. <laughs> Reminds me of when I was just a, a little boy and we stayed at someone's house, not around here, but, but somewhere else. And um, we were playing with the little boys and the dad of the house was around there that morning and uh, we noticed that he, he had his shirt on inside out. And, and so the, the one little boy went up to his dad and said, hey, dad, your shirt is on inside out. And he said, oh, it's okay, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and we were just like, I just left an impression on me. <laughs> he just, I mean, and he went around like that the rest of the morning. It just, it's no big deal. You know? I don't care. <laughs> but, you know, maybe, when, maybe sometimes we forget because we don't really care what we, what we look like as it refers to looking into God's word. Or, and maybe it does sort of bother this individual here, but, it's, but they say, well, it's just too hard to change. You know, I, I, yeah, I see what I look like in the mirror. I'm not really happy with that, but it's just it's too hard to change. I remember once a, a, a man here in town that we got to know that, that we invited him to church, and he said, no, oh, no. He said, I'm too dirty. I'm too dirty. I could, I've, I've seen too much. I've done too much. I, I couldn't come to church. You know, he, he knew there was a problem there, but it's just it's too big of a deal to mess with. You know, it's too hard to change. Or maybe this individual, when they see themselves, uh, they don't believe they really look that bad. <laughs> you know, in other words, there must be something wrong with the mirror. <laughs> because I don't believe, I can hardly believe I look that bad. In 2 Timothy, uh, verse chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, we read about people like that. It says, They're ever learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And then he says, Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. And so they are faced with the truth, and yet they're just not able to come to the knowledge of that. They just can't believe that. I'm not that bad. There's no way I can be that bad. There must be something wrong with the mirror, you know. And we live in a society where there are many people who are faced with the truth. And yet they still choose to reject it. And we read in Scripture, too, that it's God's will that all men be saved and that all come to the knowledge of the truth. And yet that takes humility, that, that means that we must humbly accept the truth. Realize, realizing the truth is the authority, is the truth. God's word is the truth. And yes, we do look that bad, and we need help. Maybe this individual in verse 24 forgets because other important things crowded out. Maybe you've walked away from the bathroom mirror before, forgetting, because other important things crowded it out. And you probably haven't done it many times, but, but maybe you have. You know, when you have a, a, a family of, of, of little children, sometimes uh, opportunities to leave the bathroom happen when you're in the bathroom. <laughs> and so sometimes other things crowd out what was important, perhaps, and therefore causing you to forget what was important at one time to you. 
And you know, there are people who come to hear the word of God. There are people who come and hear the powerful truth of God's word. And they say, yes, amen, I need that, that that's good. Then after church, you know, they leave church, and then there's football, and there's Facebook to catch up on, and, and, and then there's the next bow hunt to think about and plan for tomorrow or this week. And you know what I mean? And there's other things that come into our minds. And, and we still think that what we heard was good. I mean, we, it was still good to hear, and we needed that, but, you know, it gets crowded out. It gets crowded out with other things, and, and we forget it. We forget it. In the parable of the sower, Jesus said this in Luke eight fourteen, That which fell among the thorns are they which when they heard go forth and are choked with the cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. Here's another. Maybe this individual in verse 24 forgets because he made no intentional effort to remember. And I've been there a number of times. He made no intentional effort to remember, therefore he forgot. You know, we remember the things that we care about. We re, you know, we're purposeful about the things that we're passionate about. And the truth is, our actions prove our priorities. And that, that steps on my toes, but that's, that's the truth. We will do what's important to us. We will remember what's important to us. And so there's certain things that, that we put on our schedules, we put on our calendars, and we, and we mark it in our minds, and we don't forget them because we want to do that really bad. But maybe this individual in verse 24 forgets because he made no intentional effort to remember. You know, and sometimes, sometimes we hear something, but immediately we decide that it doesn't apply to us. You know, immediately when we hear, we say, well, this is for that individual, and that would be great for them. I, oh, shoot, they're not here. You know, and, and we, we go down that line, and so we sort of pitch it out, and then we sort of wait until we think we hear something that maybe is useful to us, and we kind of sort through the word, you know, as it were. Because this doesn't apply to us. This says, okay, I'll store this. I'll put, and we kind of go through that process. Dear people, when we begin treating the word of God in that kind of way, we're on dangerous ground. We are. When we, when we try to decide what we think is best for us and what we want and what we don't want, who are we to say? It's the power and the truth of God's word that needs to be applied to our life. For every one of us, there's a place for it in our lives. And so God's word must be treated with, with much more respect and much higher esteem than that. And so I ask you, as, as we look at that, which picture best describes you as you think about it? Verse 24 or 25. The truly blessed person is one who hears, and then they remember, and then they do. They hear, they remember, and then they do. Now, I think it's especially powerful uh, to read what Jesus had to say about the importance of doing the word. Turn for just a moment to John chapter 14 and 15. Just make some quick notes here of what Jesus had to say about doing the word. 
chapter 14 of John, uh, verse 15, Jesus said, If ye love me, keep my commandments. Notice verse 21. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Doing shows our love for God. Verse 23, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come into him and make our abode with him. Doing assures us of the Father's blessing and presence in our life. Verse 24, He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which, we, which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. A lack of doing reveals a lack of love. Now, chapter 15, verse 10. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. And I see here that, that doing the word assures us of the ongoing loving relationship with Jesus Christ. It's an ongoing relationship with him. And then verse 14. Ye are my friends if ye do whatsoever I command you. You know, friendship gives meaning and purpose to life. And Jesus said, I consider you a friend if you are a doer. If you're a doer of the word, I consider you a friend. Now, let's, let's note here yet another response to the word yet. Uh, we looked at, I will accept it. I will apply it, and then quickly, I will affirm it. Well, not quickly, but we're just noting it quickly this morning. I will affirm it, verses 26 and 27 of James chapter 1. Or in other words, I will confirm it. I will affirm it, or another word could be confirm it, or I will declare it, or you could say I will profess it. In other words, my love for God and for his word will be made obvious by the ordinary, everyday way of the way I live out my life. My love for God and His Word will be made obvious by just how I live out my life on a regular basis, on an everyday basis. We considered the importance of doing the Word. Now these last two verses, I say, give us some insight into how we know we're doing the word. How do we know we're doing the word? Uh, note verses 26 and 27. I'm going to read that in the NIV. We read, if anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Now, note for a moment, there's a difference between religion and holiness, or religion and godliness. In the Greek behind this here, behind religious, it has to do with a external showing, external Whereas holiness 
or godliness or, or pure religion, as we read in verse 27, has to do with an inner desire, an inner reality. And so we read here, if anyone considers himself religious, or if anyone thinks that he, that he has a grasp on this, or if anyone thinks that, that he is someone, that he is pleasing to God, when in fact he is not in control of his passions inwardly, he is deceiving himself. There's a difference there between religion, religious, and godliness or holiness or pure religion. So, how do you know if you're doing the word? How do you know if you're doing the word? Well, verse 26 says that it'll show up in our speech. It'll show up in our speech. You want to know if you're a doer? Just listen to your words. Listen to your conversations. Listen to your jokes. Listen to what your mouth says. What is coming out of your mouth? Is it godly things? Is it things that edify? Is it things that honors the Lord Jesus Christ? The scripture says that out of the abundance of the heart... The mouth speaketh. And I would like to go just a bit further with this. It's not just the mouth. It's not just the mouth. But dear people, we can, we can look ever so right. And we can look ever so religious. And we can do things right on the outside. But, but if our mouth, or if our temper, or if our pride or if our lust, or if our covetousness, whatever it may be, if it is out of control in our life, then we're wrong. Then we're living a lie. Then we're deceiving ourselves. We're, we're, we're making ourselves to be someone that we really are not. We're trying to put on a presence that is not true, is not real inside. And James said, a person like that, well, their religion is vain. It's, it's worthless. It's empty. There's really nothing in it. It's just a show. And the fact is, if there is any sin in our life uh, that is being indulged in, if there is any sin in our life that, that is not being consistently conquered with the help of Jesus Christ, it reveals that there's a root of evil that has not been dealt with. It reveals that, that our soul has not been fully brought into subjection to the law of God, to that perfect law of liberty that we read about here. We think we're free, but we're not. We're actually in bondage if there is sin in our life that is not being consistently dealt with, that is being indulged in. And we read here that the one who hears and reads the word of God, who looks into that perfect law of liberty, the one that gives freedom and continues to do that, that is a blessed person. 
The one who then says, you know what, I see myself as I really am, and I need to change with the power of God. I need to change. That's the law that brings freedom. Well, how else do you know if you're doing the word? And we see this in the first part of verse 27. It'll show up in our relationship to others. It'll show up in our relationship to others. You see, vain religion is all about exalting myself. It's all about puffing myself up, making myself look good. It's an outer show. That's vain religion. Pure religion is made up of having a heart for others. A heart for others. If you want to know if someone is a doer, then look how they respond to people in need around them. A doer of the word has a heart of kindness. A doer of the word has compassion. A doer of the word has mercy for those around them. A doer of the word is not all caught up with me, myself, and I, but they're thinking about others. They're thinking about those in need around them. How do you know if you're doing the word? Well, it'll show up in the way you live. Keep yourself unspotted from the world. It'll show up in the way you live your life. Once again, vain religion is all about exalting myself. About making myself look good. About doing the right things on the outside. But pure religion is fleshed out in holy living for God. Holy living for God. Someone has said that this is the belief that behaves. (laughs) I like that. This is the belief that behaves. You know, doers will go out of their way. Yes, I believe that doers of the word will inconvenience themselves in order to live lives that are pure and lives that are clean before Jesus Christ. No, it's not going to be easy. It's not always going to be convenient. But they are willing to go out of their way to do that. It's about holy living. And I, I really believe that it is in... It is in a lifestyle of holiness. It is in a lifestyle of godliness where Jesus Christ is most loudly proclaimed and most loudly exalted. And we can say what we want to say. And that's great. And we need to say good things. But if if it's not being lived out, if it's not being matched up with a lifestyle that says yes and amen to what we say, that can be the worst testimony that you can have. And so I say that it is in a lifestyle of godliness and holiness that Jesus Christ is most loudly proclaimed and exalted in our lives. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and do what? And glorify your Father which is in heaven. It's all about Him, really. But yet, God calls us to be people of good works. That springs out of our heart of love for Him. But it's about exalting Jesus Christ. What about you this morning? You've heard the word. And you've heard the word many times. Now what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Are you going to be like the wise man? Or are you going to be like the foolish man? What kind of soil best describes the condition of your heart? I'll leave you with this quote. 
It is in doing the word that we find the path of blessing. It's in doing the word that we find the path of blessing. May the Lord bless you. We'll call for a song.